Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series Podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the Word. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and I pray we would understand what it means that we have a Savior. Lord, I trust there's many people in this room watching online who, who have understood that, have come to that Savior. Lord, I pray that today we have a, a, a renewed, a, a, a fresh awakening, a fresh appreciation of all that it means that we possess a Savior. And Lord, for those in this room, those watching online who have not yet come to that Savior, may today, this moment right here, be that moment. I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So do you need to be saved? You know, I, I know I'm asking that to a room of people. I would imagine many of those watching online. We, we've been taught, haven't we? We've been taught, we've been trained, conditioned to say, yes, yes, I, I need to be saved. We, we get very, I don't know what the right word is, comfortable, natural. It's, it's very normal for us to say, I, I need to be saved. But what I've seen in my life And what I feel like I see in you, and it's not meant to be any kind of statement about you as an individual, is a readiness to say, I'm a sinner with little grief or burden over that sin. I'm sure a lot of us have a sin, right? Got a sin I'm very ashamed of, very embarrassed. I would never want y'all to. Would never want y'all to know I did that or I was like that or I, I had this season in my life. I, I would, you know, we've got that sin, but I just like to say, you and I feeling so grieved over that one sin just highlights all the sins we don't feel any grief over at all. Why am I thinking about this? If we don't rightly understand the desperateness of our situation. We will undervalue our Savior and we will overvalue ourselves. Now, why is this where we are this morning? Well, as you know, we're walking into the Christmas story as told by the uh, the Apostle Matthew and we're being introduced to Jesus. You know, when you walk through those two chapters, there's a lot of things and some big ideas. We're not covering all that is in Matthew 1 and 2. We're going to read a lot of it, but we're not covering a lot of it. As a matter of fact, I'm just trying to grab four ideas out of the Christmas story that I'm, I'm kind of framing in the idea if somebody was introducing me to Jesus. You know, if, if you were introducing somebody, hey, this is Randy Hahn, he's my my pastor, we're, we're going to, when we introduce somebody, hey, this is Karen, she's my wife. We're going to say, here's the name, and then here's something about them. And then you're able to fill in details, right? That may not always be right details, but you're able to fill in some details. So we're watching Jesus get introduced in the Christmas story. Last week, 
We saw him introduced as Christ. That means the Messiah, the promised one, the one who fulfills prophecy and profoundly saw in that the confidence we can have in our faith, the strength we can have in our faith. And today, as you've probably already figured out, we're going to meet Jesus, a Savior. Let's see where that happens. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1, and I'm going to pick up in verse 18. Last week we were verses 1 to 17, so 18 today. If you're using a Bible app, uh, usually in most Bible apps you can kind of pick the translation you want to read from. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version today. I get asked this almost every week. What were you reading out of? Most of Genesis I was reading out of the New Living Translation. That's a favorite of mine. Almost always when you see a verse on the screen, that's out of the English Standard Version or the ESV that I'm reading out of. And for the Christmas story, I'm I'm reading out of the ESV again right now. So Matthew 1 verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So that really is an introduction, right? We're not, we're not grabbing a hold of an idea. We're actually being told, hey, here's his name. The angel tells Joseph, you're, hey, you're going to have this boy, and when you do, name him Jesus, So that from there on out, every time somebody says his name, they know who he is and they know what he's there to do. Now, how how do I know all that? By by simply saying the name Jesus. Well, Jesus is an Aramaic word. That was the language being spoken. Uh, And the Hebrew version of that Aramaic word would be Yeshua. And Yeshua in the Hebrew language means Yahweh. Okay, that's the personal name of God, right? Yahweh is salvation or the Lord saves. So when you're meeting, hey, this is Jesus. He's God and he's here to save you. I mean, that's, that's what's in that name. He's God and he's here to save you. Now, I think most thinking people would say, especially if they haven't been trained in condition like us, To save me from what? (laughs) What do I need to be saved from? Well, we're going to get to that in just a second. I want to make sure before we get to that, we fully grasp, have an idea, a picture of what a Savior is. And something very similar in our culture, something that we've all seen that would be likened to a Savior is a lifeguard. A a lifeguard is a, a type of Savior. Now, imagine most of us like me, you've been going to a pool all, all your life, and you know, you, you get there, and especially if it's a, a big pool, or a big pool, there's a lot of people, kind of seems like somebody should be watching over this, right? So somebody should be supervising here. Well, that's your lifeguard. You know, hey, how do we know the water is safe? Well, you know, the lifeguards come out, and they dip that little square thing in it, and they drop the chemicals, and it 
have no idea what's going on there, but I think it's for my well-being. I'm glad there's a lifeguard to test the water. I'm glad, hey, lifeguards enforce the rules, don't they? Don't run. Clearly, you will die if you run. Okay, so we need somebody there to enforce the rules. So you see, lifeguards play a lot of roles that are very important to all of us, but I've, I've kind of left one out, haven't I? I mean, I'm glad they do all those other things, but, but the reason we have lifeguards is why? To save us. To save us from drowning if that would ever happen. And so, wait, I, listen, I can understand what a lifeguard does. I can uh, respect what a lifeguard does. I, I could even say I love a lifeguard. You know, I, I did one time. I was 10, 11. It was two, two full summers, summer of 75, summer of 76. I was, it was in love. I, I, her name was Lori. And for those of you old enough to kind of understand what I'm looking at, she looked a lot like Farrah Fawcett. And so I spent the better part of the summer of 75 and 76 contemplating drowning. It, no, no, serious. It seemed like this could be a good opportunity, um, maybe something to consider, right? Uh, you know, so I'm going to do that. And so, like I said, folks, listen, I can understand what a lifeguard does. I can respect what a lifeguard does. I can even say, I love the lifeguard. But you want to know something? I never needed one. I, I, ne- I never needed a, a lifeguard. I was, I was a good swimmer. Now, you know, I wasn't going out for the Olympic team or anything. You know, I told this in the last service, and there was somebody there that went out for the Olympic team. So then I was like, well, I, okay, so you're a better swimmer than I am. But that's what I already said. I didn't say I was an Olympic swimmer. Uh, I didn't even say I was even on a swim team. But I was a good swimmer. Man, I could swim laps for exercise. I could jump off the high dive. I could play that awful game only intended to drown people. You know, we played it July 4th, two teams, each end of the deep end, and then they throw in that greased watermelon. What is the point of that but to drown somebody? Uh, you know, so, but I could do it. I could do it. Listen, I, I, I'm not an Olympic team. But I'm a good swimmer. As a matter of fact, I'm not trying to be arrogant here. We're just being truthful. Probably a better swimmer than a lot of you. But I never had to say, save me. I never knew a moment in the water where there was that kind of of life and death of desperation. Now, folks, you realize everything I just said for the last two or three minutes, take out the word swimmer, And put in the word church person. Put in the word spiritual person. Put in the word good person. Take out the word lifeguard and put in the word savior. You realize you can go to, not the pool, you can go to church your whole life. Understand why we have a savior. Acknowledge and respect, hey, here's the duties of a savior. Maybe even say, I love the savior. And yet never actually have said, save me. I'm I'm not asking if you've ever felt guilty or bad about something. I've asked if you've known a desperation in your life that I am going to die and there is no help for me. 
You know, I don't know, I don't know what you're thinking, how you process that, how you try to answer that. So maybe instead of me trying to figure out what you're thinking, let's take a moment and think about what God's thinking, because I think what God is thinking should really shape what you're thinking, so it would be more important that we know what God's thinking. Are you with me? So what is God thinking? Here we are all, we're all out in the pool enjoying ourselves, it's a sunny day, obviously it's not December, on December 12th, because <laughs> it's neither sunny nor uh, are we getting in the pool, but we're all out there, we're all in the pool, we've had a good day at the pool. What does God think of all of us, Romans 3.23, for all, you're in all, there's no way you can escape it. What your background, your goodness, your, your heritage, the, the pool you're in, there's no way you can escape it. You're in all. Whatever definition there is of all, whatever definition is the, there is of you, you are an all. All have sinned. That's a heavy, ominous word that we use at church a lot. You know, you know what it, mean? it just means miss the mark. That's all that word means in the Greek language. It means to, to miss the mark. I was shooting at a target. Ah, I missed it. Just missed it by that much. And that's what that word means. It means I missed the standard. Well, what's the standard? God's glory. Not the rules. Not the law. I've missed the standard of God's glory. I've missed the standard of his character, of his perfection. Now, you know, we don't, we don't like the word standard in America, do we? Standard's a bad word. We, we, we gotta recognize, I don't, you know, I don't even know if I trust a God that has a standard. You know, I, hey, listen, if there's a standard, that means somebody's getting left out. And today we would say the problem isn't those who didn't meet the standard. The problem is that there's a standard. The problem is that there's somebody who made a standard. There's your problem. Okay, well, I'm not going to work through and debate all that right now, but I will say this. If God gets rid of a standard, then instantly heaven is no longer what we think and are looking forward to heaven being. If there's no standard, then heaven just becomes earth part two. And after earth part one, I'm not interested in earth part two. I, I want the heaven. I want what's like God. Okay, well, then that means there's got to be, there's got to be a standard. What is that standard? Well, we said it's God. It's his character. So you just start going through the character qualities of God. God's loving. Well, I'm loving. I bet you are. You look like a loving crowd today. I'm loving too. As a matter of fact, I would guess that most of you who've had any experience with me all say, our pastor's a loving guy. I am. I'm not faking it. I'm really a pretty loving person. But I can be unloving. I absolutely can. I can be more than unloving. I can be mean. And you want to know the crazy thing? I bet you're the same way. My meanness doesn't usually come out towards strangers. It comes out towards the people I love the most. Figure that out. Why am I mean to the people I love the most? That's what's in me. See, I've missed that standard. God's loving and I'm not. Well, but I try Yep, God's loving all of the time. I'm not. And that's just one word. How about truth? God's truth. Well, I tell the truth. I tell the truth almost all the time. You know, I I don't lie. I'm not going to confess to that. Exaggerate a little bit. Maybe withhold. Maybe not always be forthcoming. 
You see, you, you, folks, we can just keep going through word after word after word. And there's this back and forth, right? Well, I can do a little bit of that. I can be kind of like, maybe I'm even pretty good at that, but then I can turn right back around and I can be very much not that. So God, what does God think? How does God understand this back and forth you and I are, oh, I can be loving, I can be unloving, I can be forgiving, I can be unforgiving. I can be kind, I can be unkind. I can be pure, I can be impure. I mean, back and forth. How does God understand all that? How would he tell me to think about all that? Well, let's go to Romans chapter 5 to answer that question. Romans 5, 6 through 10, I I think are four, five verses that are just so rich and so... We just spent six chapters, uh, six months on 50 chapters in Genesis. I could spend six months on Romans 5, 6 through 10, literally preaching a word a week. There's that, it's that deep and there's that much in it. But today, just four words. I just want you to see, I, I, I want us to see four words. The third word we've already seen, sinner. We've already seen that word. I want to see these other three that are kind of rotating and revolving around the word sinner. Romans chapter 5 verse 6. For while we were still, first word, weak. While we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the second word, ungodly. Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still, third word, sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood. Boy, those are four powerful words. Justified by his blood. You won't find anything else in the scripture that says justified by. We're justified by his blood. What does justified mean? It means to be made right with God, to be in right standing with God. How do I get to heaven? How do I look forward to judgment day? How do I not fear judgment day? How do I stand before God in a good position? By his blood. Whose blood? Christ's blood. Much more shall we be saved from him, from, by him, from the wrath of God. Okay, there's what we're being saved from, the, the wrath of God. For if while we were, here's the fourth word, enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Okay, there, the, the, what's the death? That's the cross. That's where the blood came out. So by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, that means made friends again, right? Friends with God. Shall we be saved by his life? That's his resurrection. I am justified how? By my faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Man, there's a lot there. But let's go back to those four words. Okay, so first of all, God said, hey, I'm, I'm trying to be loving. I hit it a lot, but then I'm unloving. I try to tell the truth. I hit it a lot, but then whoops, there's, there, there's a lie. So God's watching all this back and forth. What does God see? Because I'm pretty sure that's all that counts. Number one, he sees somebody who is weak. I'm weak. Okay? I can go over here. I can pick up the weight of love and I can carry it. And maybe I can carry it a long way today. Maybe I only carry it a short way today. The bottom line is I'm going to get, I'm going to get tired carrying the weight of love and sooner or later I'm going to drop it. I'm going to drop, I, I get weak. 
Okay, I'm going to pick up the, the weight of truth and I'm going to carry it, but somewhere along the way, I'm, I'm going to drop it. I just, I keep dropping it. No matter what character quality of God I pick up, I always drop it. I know you and I want to focus, but did you see how far I carried it? But did you see how much I picked up this time? Yeah, but you still drop it. You, you continually, over and over and over, in a whole variety of ways, we keep dropping it. And by the way, I haven't explained weak yet. Yeah, that's, that's a part of our weakness. The real idea behind this word is that I can't even get in shape. The issue isn't how, how, how I picked up the weight and how far I carried it and when I dropped it. The issue is I'm never going to get in shape enough. I'm never going to get good enough that I can pick it up and carry it the whole way and never drop it again until Jesus comes back. I'm weak. I'm, another word for that is I'm helpless. Helpless doesn't mean I can't do something. It just means I can't do what needs to be done. I can't solve this problem. But it advances there and it says I'm ungodly. I think that's such an important word. Especially when we're thinking about standards and rules. Because a lot of people have a view of God. And this is where we came up with religions. There's a God. I'm pretty sure he's angry. He's got a bunch of rules. So how do we figure this out? And different religions pop up that tell us, no, now here's the rules you need to focus on. No, it's these rules that you need to focus on. And here's what you need to do to appease this angry God. Folks, it's not about a standard. It's not about missing rules. It's about not being like God. That's what ungodly means, right? It means I'm not like him. When I go into that moment and into that relationship and that's where love should happen, I turn around and I do something that is very much not like God right there. That's the goal, to be like God, to spend eternity where everything is like God. But I keep showing how much not like God I am. Over and over I'm giving evidence to I'm not like you. It's not about you didn't make the rules, you're out. No, you're not like God. You're, you're, you're wondering why he should love you and accept you and heaven should be. You're not like him. You're not like heaven. You're not anything like it. It's worse, though, than not being like it. And that's what the word enemy explains. You're actually fighting and opposing God in these moments. You know, I'll be honest with you. Personal testimony. I don't have a problem with the first three words. Okay, I, I, I'm humble enough, I, am, I have enough insight to myself that when God, when the scripture says, hey, Randy, you're, you're weak, you're ungodly, you're a sinner, I hear that, I think, I, I, I know, Lord, I, I know, gosh, I know, I'm sorry. I don't want to be those things. I, I want to I be better. I don't have a problem uh, with God identifying those words with me. Enemy, I do. Enemy, I think, God, that's not, that's not fair. That's too far. I, God has not yet come and asked me what's too far for him. But if he were to ask, I might say, God, I think enemies is, I, hey, listen, I can say I'm those other things, but I'm not your enemy, God. You know, hey, at least sometimes I say I love you, and I am in here singing songs to you. I gave money today, Lord. Gosh, our church has been doing this big thing. I've been up here all weekend, Lord. How can you call me an, how can you call me an enemy? Hey, God, apparently you're confused, Lord. If you want to see enemies, come with me. 
I'll point out, don't you feel like you could point out to God who the enemies are, where the problem is? You and I might be entirely right in that, but how is God supposed to describe us? I wanted love in this moment. You showed unlove. You not only broke rule, you fought who I am as a person. You fought what I would do in that moment. And Randy, you're doing it all of the time. Day in and day out, one relationship, one decision, one thought to another. You're opposing me. You're fighting me. Yeah, hey, folks, listen, if you have somebody that when you're, when you're, when they're around you, you know, they're your good friend, they say, hey, I love you. They say, maybe even sing songs to you. But you know, you turn around and all of a sudden they're, they're opposing what you just did. They're undoing what you just did. They're mocking what you just did. Would you keep calling that person a friend? Or would you finally say, hey, why are you being an enemy to me? Why are you opposing and fighting me? And folks, I just, I'm just using one word, love. You realize there's a whole bunch of words we could use right here and we can talk about. Over and over and over, it never ends. Boy, aren't you glad you got up in the rain this morning and came to church so you could just get beat up a little bit and feel good about yourself? You know, that's not actually the goal. God loves you more than you love you. You don't seek God, he seeks you. I would even make the case you and I don't receive God. He rescues us. And you can't fully appreciate how wonderful and good that is until you respect, understand, acknowledge the desperate situation that you're in. You see, until I understand that I'm a sinner, until I understand that I'm an actual enemy of God, I cannot appreciate all that it means when it says, while, not at a moment that I cleaned my act up, not in a moment when I put a couple of good weeks together, while I was a sinner, while I was an enemy, that's when Christ came and died for me. That's when he jumped in the pool. That's when he jumped into all that was my mess. That's when he jumped into my fighting and opposing him with every word and every thought and every action over and over and over. I can't appreciate what he did to me, did for me until I understand that. Okay, now let's talk about the bad news. You say, bad news? I thought we'd already covered the bad news. <laughs> yeah, that's part one of the bad news we've covered. Now it's part two. There's a consequence. There's a consequence for being weak and ungodly, being a sinner, being an enemy. Romans 6.23 says the wages. What are wages? That's that's what you get for what you did. The the, the product, the, 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 the payment, the fruit, the wages of sin is death. Death there is not talking about your funeral. That's not your physical death. That is a reference to in sin, we spiritually die. There was a part of me created to know God and to love God and to enjoy and experience God. And in sin, that part of me died. It died in you. And this is why Jesus says to us in John chapter 3, you need to be born again. Not another physical birth, but a, a spiritual birth. You've got to have another birth. You're dead. Now, here's the real problem, and this actually happens to most human beings, is they're traveling down the road spiritually dead, 
And somewhere in their life, their spiritual death intersects with a physical death. Now I am talking about your funeral. If we physically die while also still spiritually dead, then our spiritual death is now permanent and eternal. And listen to this word. It's a really important word. And full. You see, right now in sin, I'm separated from God. Okay, I cannot know and enjoy and experience him in all the ways that he designed me to. But there's a thing, we call it in theology, common grace. Common grace is what all people, all 8 billion people on the planet today can experience even when they're hating God, even when they're fighting God, even though I don't even believe you exist, God. You, you know what common grace means? It means I can walk outside and I can enjoy the warm sun on my face. Common grace means I can put food in my mouth and, oh, that tastes good. Common grace means I can enjoy friendship. That's why it's such a travesty if somebody thinks I can handle hell because I'll be there with my friends. Hey, hell may be populated with your friends, but you won't enjoy them for a single second. There'll be nothing to share, nothing to experience. Enjoying that is a gift of God. It's a product of his presence. In hell, we are eternally and fully separated from the presence of God. He says, I thought God was everywhere. He is. But you now have a total inability to experience and enjoy the presence of God and the grace of God. Listen to how Jesus, listen to how Jesus defines, describes Hell. He describes it with the word torment. I don't know about you. I don't need a definition for that. I don't want anything to do with anything to do with something that has torment in it. It sounds awful. Unquenchable fire. Where people gnash their teeth in anguish and regret. You realize this is forever. Not for a moment, not a bad day, not a bad week. This is forever and ever. We gnash our teeth in anguish and re- outer darkness. Uh, you know, if I look at those four things right there, I think, well, no, okay, outer darkness isn't the worst thing, right? If, if, if they said, hey, you, 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 we just pick one of the five. Oh, I'll go with outer darkness. You know, I don't know how they do it in Seattle. But you and me here in Virginia, we need a little bit of sun, don't we? I mean, think about it. Four or five days doesn't happen a lot. But we get four or five days in a row of constant cloudiness, gloominess, a little drizzle, absolutely no sky. We, we get, what happens to our mood? We get a little down, don't we? Now, you know what? I would have responded to that question by saying, not me. I don't, I don't, I'm not affected by weather. Right here, that's me. I'm not affected by weather. And, and I, w- I actually would have said that. And I noticed one day, I don't remember why or why I had this thought, but it had been one of those sets of four or five days. And all of a sudden, there's the blue sky and the sun peeking through. And I, I walk, you walk outside and you see it. And what happens? You smile. Your spirit. It, folks, the only reason my spirit needs to be lifted is because it was down. Outer darkness is forever and ever and ever. There will never be not even a sliver of blue sky, not even a sliver of light. And how do you not look at those words and think, what kind of God makes a place like that? That's awful. He didn't make it for you. He made it for the devil and his angels. 
Humanity chose to align in their character with the devil and his angels. We chose to be not like God, but we chose to be like the father of lies. We chose hate and anger. Where do you think that quality comes from? We chose the place of that character and for those beings. One sin, any sin, every sin, one sin separates us from God. I think we need to understand that, but then let's go ahead and just put this out there. Nobody should be fooling themselves that the problem in your life is one sin. Let me tell you something. If you decided right here, right now, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go home. I'm going to confess every sin I've ever committed. You wouldn't be able to confess 2%. I think I'm being generous in saying 2%. There's so many things you and I... Sin is so normal. There's so many times there's not even a blip on my radar when I do it. It's such my normal response, my normal action. I won't even acknowledge all the sin that is there. And, th- and then there's the sin that I, you know, I did in ignorance. You say, well, wait a minute, how can, how can God hold me accountable for sins I didn't even know? Because you chose not to know. There's nothing you will be held accountable for that God didn't communicate right here. And you were too tired to read it. Oh, it's too hard to read. You've come up with a thousand reasons why you can't and why you won't know what God has spoken to you. It's not a list of rules. It's his heart and his character. It's how much he loves you. We chose not to know. And we've got to realize the desperate situation we're in, the desperateness of who we are outside of Christ, without Christ, the desperateness of our future outside of Christ and without Christ. There needs to be a place where we finally say, save me. I'm drowning. I'm drowning in my sin. I'm drowning in my inability. I'm drowning in my future. Save me. Can you say that? Have you said that? You know, I, my belief is I have. I have. I know I have. My belief is a whole lot of us in here have have. I'm also absolutely confident that there's folks in here right now coming to a, a, a realization and understanding maybe for the first time in your life, maybe realizing like me, man, I've been sitting in a pool for, for years. I respect the lifeguard, love the lifeguard, acknowledge the lifeguard, but I've still never said, save me, I don't need it. I've never said that. Have you said, save me? I want to give you an opportunity to do that right here, right now. You know, I wonder if you're actually physically drowning in a pool and you need a lifeguard, I I wonder if you're wondering what people around you are thinking in that moment. I bet you're not. I bet you're realizing all I've got in this moment is that lifeguard. That's all I've got. It's my only chance. And, And you cry out, save me. I want to do... A little different than what you see and watch most Sunday mornings. I want, I want, to have, want us to have a time of invitation. Christ is inviting you to himself right now. And Satan is telling you why you don't need to go. And Christ is saying, come.
come. He sought you. You didn't seek him. He's jumping in to rescue you. You didn't show him how good a swimmer you were. I want us to have a time of invitation, and I want you to, I want you to stand up while we're singing, and I want you to come forward to this, this kind of altar right here. And you can stand here in front of me. Maybe you're walking down. You want, maybe you want to kneel. Maybe you want to kneel here at the altar and just kneel before the Lord and say, save me. Stand, kneel. Nobody's going to interrupt you. Nobody's going to meet you here. Nobody's going to ask you a question. You just come forward, stand here while we're singing. You just stand here, kneel, however you want to do and you just come forward and say, save me. I want to be clear about something. There's not a single verse in the Bible that even closely implies that if you call out to the Lord and walk down an aisle, you will be saved. I want to be clear about something. You do not need to come down here to be saved. You're not coming down here for God. You're coming down here for yourself. You're coming down here because you're going to doubt your faith. You're going to struggle in your faith. And you need that place. You need that time in life. I think ultimately it happens in the waters of baptism. But you need that place where I know I called out. I know I asked him. By the way, everything I've explained today is what makes so beautiful. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know what's sad? There's so many people who think if I asked Jesus to save me, he'd say no. Romans 10, 13 is a promise that if you cry out, his answer is yes. Every single time he jumps in. Indeed, he already has. While. While I was a sinner. While I was an enemy. That's when Christ died for me. Now, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. As a matter of fact, I've asked Dale and Ryan. They're, they're going to come and lead us in this song of invitation. And, of course, we're all going to stand up. And you know what you're going to say? Is, I, can't, I can't get out. Now, now the, the, the aisle's blocked. I've said this a lot of times at our church because I, I, I know these people around you. They're wonderful people. And I, I know beyond a shadow of doubt, if you tap one of them on the shoulder and say, Hey, I need to get out and go down front, that'll be the best thing they do today. I guarantee you it'll be the most exciting thing they do this day is slide out of your way so you can come down here and say, God, save me. Put action. Put action to your faith. Come down here to say today and say, God, save me. As we stand and as we sing, you come. Just as I am without one plea but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou bidst me come to thee O Lamb of God I come I come just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot O Lamb of God I come 
I come I come broken to be mended I come wounded to be healed I come desperate to be rescued I come empty to be filled I come guilty to be pardoned by the blood of will be just another moment will you and I'm well will you come forward and say God save me Jesus save me he's inviting you come right here right now you come just as I am I would be lost, but mercy and grace, my freedom bought, and now to glory in your cross, O Lamb of God, I I come. Hey, let's say a prayer for all these standing right here, shall we? Father, we thank you for the wonderful news, the great promise, whoever calls will be saved. Lord, every one of these that has just come forward and said, save me, you jumped in. You jumped in with all of your love, all of your forgiveness all of your adoption they will never need another drop more they've got all of it right here right now we praise you god we worship you god hallelujah and in jesus name amen 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 hey listen each one of you standing here don't go away yet each one of you standing here you, you see Pastor Jerry back there. Here's what I want to ask you to do. It, y'all come over here to the center aisle. And if you would, just follow Jerry out. We have a gift for you. I want to give you a little book. It's called Welcome to the Family of God. It's going to explain a little bit more about the decision you've made today. Kind of help you with some next steps. Now, if, if you're here alone, you can certainly go back to your seat and get your stuff. But if you've got family and friends with you, they'll bring you your stuff. Won't y'all? They'll bring your stuff. Y'all go out there right now. Pastor Jerry, would you wave so they can see where they're aiming? Y'all go down this aisle right now. Go to our next step desk. Head on down there right now. Thank you. Hey, hey, church, let them know how much you think of them right now. Let them know of your love and your prayers right now. This is awesome. Hey, you know what? If you're thinking, oh my gosh, I should have gone. I should have gone. Jesus says today's the day of salvation. You can still go. You can still go. You just got to beat him returning and you got to beat your physical death. Because if those two things intersect, there's nothing good from there on out. But today is your opportunity. Today is your opportunity. Don't miss it. You can still go out to that desk. Folks there would love to talk with you about it. Hey, if you were at the pool today... And you saw somebody drowning, and you saw the lifeguard in save them. Would you tell somebody at work about that tomorrow? I bet you would. I bet you'd tell somebody at work, at school, you'd tell somebody, Hey, you're not going to believe this. This person drowning, lifeguard jumped and saved him. She looked just like Farrah Fawcett. It was awesome. It was incredible. You know, that's all God's asked you and I to do. We talk about words like being a witness and testimony. 
All God's asked you to do is say, hey, if you saw somebody saved today, if you were that somebody, just go tell somebody. Hey, Jesus is saving people. Jesus is jumping in, and Jesus will jump in for you. That's all. We don't have to fight anybody. We don't have to conquer anybody. We don't have to defeat anybody. We don't have to mock anybody. We don't have to judge anybody. We just got to let them know Jesus is jumping in, and he'll jump in for you. Amen. Can we tell somebody that this week? Hey, can we invite? Hey, you know what? We're going to come back and worship Jesus, our Savior, next week. We'll be on to an even bigger title. He's the son of God. That's what we'll be looking at next week. Hey, invite somebody to be here with you next week, to be with you Christmas Eve. Great opportunities for people to learn that Jesus is jumping in for them. God bless y'all. Love you. Have a great week.